0: Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm very important. Uh, I have any leather-bound book, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. I, I'm friends with Merlin Olsen too. He comes over on occasion. Hello, hello hello again everyone out there in podcast land this is strange things are afoot at the circle k i am your host the everyday american johnny doe as i'm popping my knees <clears throat> and clearing my throat into the microphone i am not a professional broadcaster uh this <coughs> goddamn, i think i just caught aids when i right when i turned the fucking microphone on what is it about doing a podcast that as soon as I crack the mic, I have to clear my throat, I have to burp, ugh, I have to sneeze, I have to clear my throat. I don't know what it is. It's it's got to be psychological because I'll sit here and uh, I kind of do a little bit of prep, believe it or not, and and uh, think about what I'm gonna say. Talk, you know, think, kind of go over some notes um, uh, on some some uh, topics. And I'm not burping, I'm not coughing, I'm not clearing my throat, throat) and as soon as I crack the mic, I'm thirsty all of a sudden. It's kind of weird. I did spit out my gum beforehand, so I guess who's a fucking professional broadcaster? This guy. Clearly I'm professional. I mean, listen to my buttery voice. It's buttery. It's, It's more like marginary. Is that a word? It is now. Let's start saying marginary, like margarine. Yes, Johnny, we get it. You were trying to make a funny joke. A, a pun, if you will. Um, or if I won't. Is that a pun? What is a pun? Uh, apparently a lot of people um, in my profession don't know what a pun is. We had this guy. He was in the marketing department of, uh, of recruiting and retention. And he was an E-7, and which is a sergeant first class. And this guy was a fucking retard. I mean, when I say retard, I mean, he's one of those guys. It, there's something about, okay, if you meet a guy that's truly stupid. <clears throat> let's clear my voice again. Clear my throat. Someone that's truly stupid, but they understand that they're stupid. Okay, like, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I don't think I'm the smartest guy. I'm what I refer to, if you listen to the very first podcast, is I'm one of those, I'm a smart, dumb guy. That I say the wrong word, and I get confused on empathy and sympathy. I get them mixed up. But um, I know some stuff. Um, I'm educated, Not really. But I have... I'm, I'm a genius when it comes to common sense, um, but I'm not, I'm not that book learned. Um, I based a lot of my values on experience, right? And so I, I think I have a pretty good handle on In my world, I feel like I do just fine uh, conversing with the normal, everyday person, right? This guy was an idiot. I bag on... A lot of celebrities and especially actors that they always portray people from the Midwest as being dumb fucks. Well, maybe they met this guy and that's why they and they just think we're all like him. But he was the type of dumb guy. He didn't know he was dumb. He thought he was smart. He thought that he had insight. He thought he was witty. And he was, he was stupid. <clears throat> and uh, he was giving a speech about the marketing equipment and how to use the marketing equipment. Uh, For recruiting purposes, like if you, you know, try to do some recruiting uh, events and you have soldiers help out and we have like marketing equipment that, you know, gets people to come over and and uh, partake in some of what we're trying to sell them, which is a a lifestyle of uh, future PTSD and and arthritis. But anyway, um, he would be telling us like how to relate to people and this is this exactly what he said he goes you know when you're talking to those teeny bopper girls (laughs) no pun intended and without skipping a beat I said in front of like 40 recruiters I go well no pun implied and he turns around and looks at me and says what (laughs) and I go no pun implied and he goes what are you talking about I was like, never mind. The guy was so fucking stupid. One, he didn't know what a pun was. And two, he didn't know that I was busting the old jubblies and trying to point out that you're a fucking idiot. And that's how how you know that you're dealing with a true certifiable retard. Because, like me, I'm dumb, but I'm smart enough to know when you're making fun of me. This guy didn't even know that I was busting his fucking marbles. This guy was dumb he later became my boss true story and he went crazy another true story not a HIPAA violation like he tried to say because I'm not saying his name I'm not pointing out who he is or what he did or what he didn't do but he definitely went crazy (laughs) and got kicked out of the military anyway funny story right not really okay this is Strange Things Are Foot at the Circle K, where we talk a little bit about uh, society, what's going on in the news sometimes, life in general, and a real world perspective, not coming from somebody that's trying to get clicks and followers and listeners. Not that I'm not trying to get that stuff, but I'm not trying to sell you a bunch of fucking garbage. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I. Obviously, I'm trying to put an entertaining spin on it. But, you know, this is like my 7th or 8th podcast. Well, I guess with my UFC podcast, like 10. So I'm still trying to get my sea legs. I'm still trying to figure shit out. And so I don't expect it to be good yet. So if it is, hey, plus. And if you listen to it and go, God, this guy fucking sucks. You can email me. You can tell me. You can go to uh, afootpodcast.com or afootpodcast at Twitter and tell me I'm a fucking idiot, and I suck, and I should kill myself, and don't quit my day job. Well, guess what, folks? Joke's on you. I ain't quitting my fucking day job. This is my night job, so fuck off. No, but seriously, I would like to have lots of followers and lots of listeners, but I'm not trying to make money at this. I'm not selling advertising or even going to try to sell advertising because I don't give a shit about that. This is fun This is fun. That's the only reason I'm doing it. Because I like listening to my own voice. Hmm. That might be an issue. Is that a... uh, That's probably cause for a little bit of worry that I enjoy. And, And this is no fucking joke. I enjoy listening to my own podcast. That is weird. What I mean, what is it about that? You'll hear actors and actresses and they're you know, given like an Academy Award winning performance. And they'll say, I can't even watch my own work. I can't. I just, you know, I'm just so critical of my own performance. I'm like the opposite. I'll listen to them and be like, damn, that's some good shit. Oh, I like that. Damn, I nailed that one. Oh, man, maybe, maybe I am an idiot. Anyway, so I enjoy this. Um, I hopefully somebody out there does too. And I'm just trying to be a I'm just a normal guy I'm not trying to be anything special But you know We're going to give our opinions And go back and forth And hopefully uh, somebody gets something out of it And uh, hopefully that person is me And I learned something about myself And uh, in this journey So I was watching YouTube Like I do from time to time Let me move the microphone A little bit closer to my face So you can hear my buttery voice um, I'm in a silly mood tonight. I don't know why. Probably cause I got laid last night. What what? Yep. I'm married, so yeah. Are you not allowed to brag about getting laid when you're married? Like your single friends, they'll show you pictures of like chicks they're banging and and which is a which is a, an interesting thing in itself that there's so many stupid fucking women that allow some guy, not their husband, not even a boyfriend, some guy they're fucking, to sit there and just take a picture of their naked body. And you don't think that's a real thing? Well, guess what? I'm in the military, and I see naked pictures of random chicks all the fucking time from guys that I serve with. I mean, you'll walk into a room, and they'll start talking about some chick. Hey, check out this chick I just banged. And and they'll hold up their phone of them like holding up like a selfie pose And this naked chick is in the background or just some chick splayed out on their bed. And they're looking right at the guy. So obviously they know they're taking it's like, do you not understand women that these guys will post that maybe not online, but they're going to send it to all their fucking friends and they're going to show everybody and it's out there in the world and you can never get it back. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Once it's out, it's fucking out. It has kind of. It's kind of wild when you think about it. So if you're one of these women, stop letting dudes take pictures of you naked. Even if it's your husband, you never know. He might not be your husband one day. So stop doing it because it's creepy. It's creepy when I see that There's so many stupid fucking chicks out there. And, and I know what you're saying. That's sexist. Maybe there's stupid dudes out there, but it's not the same thing. You know, I'm not self-conscious if somebody sees me naked. I don't give a shit. You know, it's not that big a deal. I don't think guys get mortified by that shit unless they got a small pee-pee. Then maybe they would be mortified. But when you got a big old swinging dick like this guy here, you're not going to be self-conscious about it. But, <clears throat> and who knows if I do have a big dick, you'll never know. All right. <clears throat> so I got laid last night. That's what we're gonna talk about. no, not really. but my wife went out of town for a couple of days and when she came back, she was a little frisky. Okay, nobody <laughs> uh, No, I'm not drunk because I don't drink. This is just how I am. That's probably why I don't drink or do drugs because sometimes I just get silly and how would I be if I was drunk? I, I often think about what I would be what I would be like drunk. Would I be an angry drunk? You guys know what I'm talking about. Someone that... They're perfectly fine. They start drinking. They want to fucking fight everybody. They're just like, Come on, motherfucker. Hit me. And they're just looking for a reason. Everybody's giving them a dirty look. Everyone's giving them attitude. And they're just being a contrarian, if you will. And then they later turn into a pugilist when they start swinging on people. So I wonder if I would be that. I would... I bet you I would, or you'd be like the depressed drunk where, I don't know, like you start crying and like sobbing when you start drinking. I hear you, honey. What? That was my wife. Are you trying to come upstairs? I'm not. You can. I was just talking about you on the podcast that we had sex last night and I was bragging about it yeah that's that's my wife we're not talking about that yet see I said we again I'm referring (laughs) to me as we maybe that's means I have a split personality who knows multiple personality excuse me multiple personality disorder Uh, there's a movie called Split and it's about multiple so I can call it Split Personality no you can't okay go away (laughs) All right that that's my lovely wife making a cameo on the podcast. Um, she can uh, you know she's my number one fan and that's the only reason the only reason I have two downloads instead of one or two subscribers instead of one is because she also subscribes to my podcast as well as I do. So anywho so what was I talking about? Yeah, what kind of a drunk would I be? And then there's the okay, there's the violent drunk, there's the depressed drunk. And there's the, and then there's the horny drunk. There's some women that are kind of fall into this category, but that's all I meet, if you know what I mean. Um, Yeah, how would I be? Or would I just be fucking crazy, like the jackass dude that wants to jump through windshields and shit? Uh, There's a lot of those dudes in the Army. Uh, (laughs) True story. We were uh, doing some training in the field, and a lot of times when you're doing some training in the field... um, you know, you're in the field for four or five, six days, whatever. When you come back, you're you're you, you kind of need a little bit of uh, a breather, and maybe uh, sometimes the platoon sergeant or the first sergeant will will kind of take the take the reins off a little bit. And we were uh, at a fort, let's call it Fort Riley, Kansas, and the first sergeant said, "Okay, you guys had you know did some really good training, trained really hard, so we're going to give you guys a pass tonight, where you guys can go." Um, go out, you know, go drinking, whatever, um, b- go get some beer, or something, but we want you guys to, to not only be gone a couple hours. We don't want you at the bars all night and you can come back and you can drink in the barracks, but you have to limit yourself to like, I can't remember what it was, couple beers. Right. And so I was a squad leader at the time and my buddy, and we were the ones we decided we're not going to drink. I don't drink anyway, but he was a recovering alcoholic. So he said, I'm not gonna drink either, so we were basically the babysitters. And when you are a squad leader and you are literally babysitting, and I mean babies, a bunch of privates and specialists, they're gonna do some stupid shit. So in the infantry, this is how it works. First Sergeant says everyone can have two beers, which to a private in the infantry says that means a six pack. And then he says no hard liquor, absolutely no hard liquor. And that means hide the hard liquor in a can of beer or in a Dr. Pepper bottle or, um, depending on what it is, what, what color that hard liquor is. And so usually they, they say, okay, you can start doing this at about seven o'clock at night. And by mm, seven twenty, people are falling down drunk. Um, Especially when people haven't been drinking for a while, especially if you spend a long time in the field. It's really funny when you come back off of deployment and people haven't been drinking, supposedly. But uh, anyway, and their tolerance is a little off. Because infantry guys, they go fucking hard. If they haven't been drinking for a couple weeks, they go fucking hard. So anyway, I'm babysitting these guys and I'm trying to keep the fucking wheels from falling off. And I walk into this fucking uh, little orderly room where everyone's playing poker. And this guy had a fucking bag on his head and with a face drawn on it. And he kept saying, I can't see. I can't see. I need some eye holes. I need some eye holes. And this other fucking specialist goes, I'll cut some eye holes for you. And without taking the bag off of his head, he gets his fucking K bar out, which is a giant fucking knife and starts trying to cut eye holes in the bag while the guy was wearing the bag on his head. And this is when I walked in. And so I instantly put a fucking stop to it. And all I could think about, all I could think about was what if I would have walked in 10 seconds later? That guy probably would be missing an eye. And the, the, the cherry on top of this story is there was people two feet away playing poker, right on this poker, or on, uh, at a table playing poker. And one of them was our first sergeant, <laughs> and he wasn't even paying attention. So, subsequently, I was babysitting my fucking first sergeant, too. So, anyway. Well, I don't know why it turned into story time with Johnny Doe, but from time to time, I'm going to uh, tell some stories because I'll tell you one thing. I'm 42 years old. I've lived a very full life. For someone that has not drank a beer or smoked any marijuana or done any cocaine, I have some done some heroin, though. No, I'm joking. For someone that has not done any hard drugs and really uh, very sporadic criminal activity when I was younger. But I have some great stories. I've lived a full life. At least I feel like I have. And um, that's when you know that you're a success when at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you can look back and you have some good stories. That should be everyone's objective to life is let me have something, a, a story worth telling. If your life doesn't have anything worth telling, uh, then that's that's not a good life. And somebody once said, I don't know who it was because I'm not a scholar, but somebody said live a life worth someone else writing a story about and i'm paraphrasing not because um i'm trying to be a normal guys because i don't remember the actual quotes i'm a fucking idiot but something to that effect of you want to live a life worth someone else that that someone else would want to tell a story about someone when someone else tells your stories that's when you know that you did something crazy cool or memorable or all the above So, I was watching YouTube today, and I came across this video. You know how YouTube, you start watching something, you kind of go down a rabbit hole, and then all of a sudden, it'll start suggesting certain things to you. And I don't know what I watched, but it suggested a documentary done by Lisa Ling, who used to be on The View, I I believe, but she's a a journalist, and she did a she has a documentary series called uh, This Is Life, and maybe because I watch a lot of documentaries and things like that, I don't know, I don't know why it popped up in my feed, but it was about uh, something called sugar daddies and sugar babies. And I've heard that term before, at least the sugar daddy, not the sugar baby, but but now they just call it sugaring. It's a it's a new phenomenon, okay, and so. I thought I would play a little bit of this and then we would talk about it. And when I say we I mean me screaming to the fucking microphone and you shut the fuck up and listen, so without further ado, uh, sugar baby stuff. Oh shut up CNN. And it is a CNN original, so <laughs> take that for for what PM, you want. But... Midtown, oh is it? And it's Around, I look like a completely different person without makeup. In an hour, they'll be surrounded by wealthy men looking to mingle, but it mm, won't enticing. be your average hookup. You make money, you have the beautiful girl that's pretty much what the American dream is. Women have a certain value, and this party it tells you that value. For as long as anyone can remember, moneyed older men have courted attractive young women. We, as women, were nurturers thank you dear men should provide isn't their dna oh hell's no okay so you kind of get the gist of what these biatches are saying so i shouldn't call them bitches but i will um it's uh okay let's break this down a little bit so Basically, this documentary is about sugaring and sugar daddies. So basically, there's uh, they're going gonna, to gonna get into, there's websites and things like this, but at this particular thing, there's a party. It's like a mingling event where these rich, wealthy, older guys, like at least 40 or older, that are very successful, wealthy, whatever. I think they said at one point they all make over $250,000 a year, at least the minimum. And then it's all these young girls in their 20s, I wouldn't doubt if they're younger, 18, 19, but in their 20s, college students, people, uh, women obviously don't make their own money or why the fuck would they be doing this? But um, they're, of course, trying to find these rich, older guys to take care of them. Now, it's not to find a rich, older husband. That's called gold digging. And, the, the, and gold digging has been a practice For a millennia, that is something that is tried and true that um, certain women partake in. And hey, it is what it is. But this is something different. This is called sugaring. Hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> what did I say? The men and women who partake are sugar daddies and sugar babies. You saved over $100,000 from sugar I'm really good at In the rendezvous between romance and capitalism, hmm. who really has the upper hand? This is my world, and if my sugar daddy can't conform to it, he doesn't belong in it. Damn. That's some cold shit right there. Montage. Yeah, showing fucking rich expensive cars. Was that a Camry? That's not a rich expensive car. Okay. So now it's just going through a fucking montage. Um okay, I'm going to fast forward through some of this part, but you kind of get the gist where this is headed. This whole you got to afford my fucking lifestyle and shit like that. And there's a couple things that I want to bring up. And then we're going to kind of get into this. She interviews the guy that started this website. Um, I can't remember what it's fucking called. I'm sure if you Google sugar daddies, a fucking hundred of them will pop up. But anyway, it's this like Asian dude that is successful and rich and whatever. And basically he couldn't find anybody that valued his uh, academic stature and his success and and so he wanted to level the playing field, so to speak. nerd study hard, focus on your school and someday when you're successful, you can really use your success and generosity to turn your dating game around. And then it shows a picture of him, and I swear to God, a this Asian, this like forty year old Asian man, standing with a girl that no shit looks like sixteen, seventeen, blonde headed girl. I'm like, and his mom's like, or supposedly his mom gave him the inspiration to to use his uh, academic standing, you know, to attract women or his success, i.e., money. Uh, very interesting with your dating life? That's absolutely right. I mean, Brandon, you're a very nice, smart guy. Isn't that enough? <laughs> okay, I love that. You're a very nice, smart guy. N- and no way did Lisa Ling say you are attractive. And she's fucking Asian. So you would think that she would be like, you know, I can, you know, one Asian to another, you got some cuteness going on. Fuck no. She's like, hey, you're smart, and you relatively don't stink. You... Know how to put on your fucking clothes. I mean, she should have at least lied to that motherfucker because this is exactly why he started this fucking website is because chicks like you, Lisa Ling, fucking say uh, you are a relatively normal looking guy. No, fucking throw him a bone and go, you are an attractive guy. Why did you do this? And he'd go, really? Well, fuck, he would crash that site the next the next day. The only reason he's doing this because no one ever in the million years you're going to find him attractive. I mean, he's not an ugly dude, but he definitely looks like um, like the IT guy at work or some shit, you know? I mean, he's, he's one of those dudes. <clears throat> Apparently not. <laughs> um, on most dating sites, unfortunately, there is no way for your intellect or perhaps your success to shine through. <laughs> Brandon set out to change that. In 2006, he launched Seeking Arrangement. Oh, Seeking Arrangement. Today, it's the most successful in a crop of sugar dating domains. The site also throws parties where babies and daddies can mingle and wear a mask if they want to go incognito. Is there a typical profile on Seeking Arrangement? The average sugar baby is 27, typically has a college degree or is going to college. The average guy is 40 years old. He makes 24. So, as you can hear, hopefully, that, uh, you know, the the um, sugar daddy, um, yeah, he's making a lot of money. And the chick, oh, she's college educated, which means she has bills, <laughs> college loan. This is like... Um, I guess my sugar daddy is the United States Army because um, they paid for my college. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm looking at it all wrong, okay? Maybe I'm being a little too cynical. I'm going to try to fast forward to uh, this uh, little blonde bitch that fucking says that she's not a prostitute. Okay. First logged on to seeking arrangement. Within a couple of weeks, she had hundreds of messages from daddies eager to meet. Offering the kind of cash she'd never seen before. Can you divulge how much you've gotten after a date? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> like a thousand dollars or? The most I've ever gotten um, was 3,500. Wow, that's a nice chunk. Mm-hmm. That changes things. <laughs> Would you say most of the men you know that, that's that's one of the disturbing things is she's like laughing about it and then saying yeah that changes things. What do you mean? What does that fucking change? Does that mean that your um what you your concept of right and wrong or what you are willing to do changes? What does that mean? That changes things. That's the first that's the first inkling of that these people fully understand that what they're doing. Is not on the up and up. Let's just say, okay. I'm going to get into this a little bit more. I'm not. Gonna, I can't play this whole. Th- this documentary is like an hour long, so I encourage you to watch it. Let me see if I can get to uh, some of these other. Hmm. One older, successful, who's going to teach me things. Oh, those girls who are just hooking up with random guys at bars or dating guys that don't have anything to give you. You know, all you get out of it is a pregnancy scare. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. My mother can't afford to help me pay for school. You know, she's taking care of three other kids. And I have a few friends that will say, well, you know, why can't you just work three jobs and do it the right way? Who determines the right way? Do you look at this as a job? Um, I look at it as a way to just supplement my dreams, to supplement, like, the pursuit of my dreams. I was surprised by just how ambitious... Oh, and and Lisa Ling does a fucking horrible job of. She like sits there and makes excuses for these bitches. At one point, this chick, uh, this blonde chick, says, "Um, what'd she say that that she, she something about standing there and working hard? Might as well uh, do it in a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes or some shit." And it's like, okay, so you're so you want what you want you don't want to have to fucking make sacrifices um you want to chase your dreams but you don't want to make any sacrifice you don't want to have to not have the Louis Vuitton you don't want to have to be the typical college person that eats ramen noodles and has to uh, maybe go to fucking you know goodwill or buy some secondhand shit to get by um that's what I take from that there's an awesome clip too I uh I don't know exactly where it's at, where some of these chicks are on the Dr. Phil show. And Dr. Phil flat out asked him, y'all hookers? <laughs> and they're like, and of course, hell no, I'm not a hooker. I'm not this. And okay, here's here's the crux of the matter for me. It's do you find prostitution immoral? Do you find it wrong? Because they make a lot of comparisons to, um, well, you know, Lisa Ling asks, well, do these men expect sex? And they, and one girl says, well, you know, at some point in every relationship, the guy didn't want to just hold your hand. They want to be intimate. That is true. But here's the difference. You dummy is in a normal relationship you also want to have sex with that person you know I was just bragging about having sex with my wife yesterday I didn't give her money for sex I didn't entice her um, with a lifestyle she wanted to have sex with me and I wanted to have sex with her so we had sex it's it's really that simple And it's a mutual thing because of attraction, because of love, because of affection, because we haven't seen each other all weekend because she was out of town. And that's how a relationship works and trying to justify it by going, well, you know, in normal relationships, you have sex. So if I, I I have sex with some stranger that gives me money, how's that any different? Well, it's different because you do not have an emotional attachment and you're doing it for money, i.e. that makes you a prostitute. And I am a live and let live kind of guy. I'm not judgmental. And and I know it sounds like a contradiction, but just just stick with me here for a second. If you want to be a prostitute, be a fucking prostitute. Like if if someone said, Johnny, would you vote for legalizing prostitution? 100% percent absolutely. fucking Be a fucking prostitute. Be able to make money. Be able to tax it, all that shit. People are going to do it anyway. So you might as well make it a legitimate fucking business. It's the oldest profession, right? But call it what it is. If you're a prostitute, say you're a fucking prostitute. That's the difference is don't sit there and fucking act like, and shame some woman that is having sex for money and saying, well, she's a prostitute. But then when you fucking are a sugar baby and you have a sugar daddy and you call it sugaring, say, well, no, that's different. No, fuck you. It's not different. It doesn't matter if he's paying your college tuition, your rent, buying you a car, or what. If you do not have a general attraction and want to spend time with this person and evolve the relationship in a normal way, it, and it becomes a business arrangement, then call it what it is. You, you know, if, if prostitution is such a scary fucking word, then then call it something else but it's all the same thing it's you know if it's if it's dirty if it's evil that's if you think that then why the fuck are you doing it see that's what i don't understand is here's a litmus test for all of you out there in podcast land if you are doing something and you are embarrassed by it then it's probably wrong and you should probably stop And it's wrong, not in a a moral legal sense. It's wrong, meaning you shouldn't do it. If you work at McDonald's and you're embarrassed by that, then stop working at McDonald's. That's what I mean, is it's wrong. It means it's not for you. Here's a little story. Remember I said I lived a very full life? Well, back in my younger days, in my early 20s, I was a male dancer for about five months, six months, something like that might've been seven months. I was on what's called a male review and I did it because almost on a dare, somebody basically kind of dared me to do it. I was a pretty good dancer and I was dating this girl and she said, Hey, there's this male review. You ought to do that. You're a really good dancer. She blew smoke up my ass basically. So long story short, I went, to try out, they had open tryouts, never thinking in a million years, because I wasn't like super buff, I was cut, I was kind of a slender, had a nice six pack, all that shit, but I didn't really look like a beefcake stripper, I didn't look like, you know, the big muscle bound dudes or whatever, so I, I never thought in a million years, and they liked me, and they said, hey, we're gonna fucking put you on the backstage the very next weekend, come up with a routine, come up with a character, and And we'll just, we'll just take it on like a week by week basis. And one thing, uh, or one night turned into two nights, turned into three nights before, you know, I was, I was doing the main stage and I had a full routine. Right. And it was fun because it was so unusual. And there was, it was one of those things like, oh, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do this. And, and it was it was, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was fun, but it was like, holy shit, I'm doing this. And I kind of was a dork in high school. And it was kind of weird that I would run into, you know, like 60 years after high school, run into these women that would never date me and they're fucking throwing money at me, right? Cause I was well, still working in the neighborhood that I grew up in at this uh, local strip club that on Saturday nights they had the male strippers, the male review. Um, and oh, this isn't me bragging because my first time dancing, I made twelve dollars. That's how much money I made. I had twelve fucking dollars in my little tea back, is what you call the little G string things that you wear. Twelve sweaty, nutsack smelling dollars. Okay, so it was not a glamorous thing. Um, I remember being exhausted from dancing for hours. And it was just dripping with sweat, and you smelled. It just, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't glamorous at first, okay. Um, and and later, uh, you know, I got more into it, and I started making some actual real money. You know, a couple hundred dollars every time. You know, for maybe, you know, two or three hours of work, um, if you can call it work. But my point is, I got to a point where this is, this is where I, I started it started to turn a little bit. Um, I had a woman follow me home and I had a girlfriend at the time and it was a little disturbing that she followed me home assuming that I would just like have sex with her or something. And uh, I did find that disturbing because I was like, I don't know this bitch. Um, I don't know if you fucking got hepatitis or some shit. I'm I'm not going to do that. But apparently guys did. Um, There was some, you know, drug usage going on in the in the backstage areas with some of the, some of the, uh, male dudes, there was some escort things happening as well. Um, but those things I was like, it's like everything else in life. You just kind of go your own way and, you know, turn a blind eye to that and just do your own thing. Right. But one day I was out to dinner on a double date. It was me my girlfriend and another couple. Um, and I'm at this restaurant and across from us, like three tables over there was another couple that was sitting there and they were around the same age I was I think I was 24 25 at the time and they were they were staring at me and I was like what the fuck are they looking at now at at the time that I was dancing Um, of course I, you know, had a stage name and, but I had a very unique look. I wasn't like this beefcake. I'm, you know, I'm about six one. I was like 175 pounds, but I was very lean muscle and I had very long blonde hair. And so I had a very distinctive look. Like I, I I danced to like kid rock songs. (laughs) Okay. And it was, I had like the rocker look, you know, where the other dudes had like the fake bake fucking whatever look, you know, like you're typical, uh, thunder down under fucking Chippendales kind of look. Right. So I, I definitely had like a, I stood out from the rest of them. So anyway, this, this couple just kept staring at me It was mainly the, the woman. And she would say something to the guy and the guy would, and I was like, man, do I fucking know those people? And, and me, I'm kind of one of those dudes when someone's staring at me, I always kind of get my blood up and think, you know, Oh, the, you know, there's some beef or, you know, fuck them. I kind of get an attitude where I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? So anyway, I I try to blow it off and, and I went to the bathroom and this guy followed me to the fucking bathroom. And so I'm in the restaurant taking a piss and he's at the urinal right next to me. And he, he was just staring at me. I mean, it, he, he was making it obvious, like, you know when you stare at somebody because you're wanting them to look at you so you can then address them? That's exactly what he was doing while I had my fucking hog in my hand. And so, of course, immediately I turned around and looked, and I said, what? And he goes, oh, man, I'm so I'm so sorry, dude. I, I got to ask you this. Is your name blah, 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 which was my stage name, I'm not going to say. And I go, what? And he goes, I'm sorry, man, my girlfriend said that you are a dancer at this place. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, man, That that's me. Oh, dude, my, yeah, I, I bet my girlfriend that wasn't, it wasn't you. And we we're debating back and forth. And, oh, she's just starstruck. And I was like, what? I'm I'm a goddamn, you know, like, on a mail review on the backstage, mainly one night a week, I was working in a lumberyard at the time. I was like, "What?" <laughs> Starstruck. Star I'm at this this shitty fucking strip club in a poor fucking neighborhood. A shitty fucking neighborhood. Not that strip clubs are ever in a nice neighborhood. I guess that's kind of redundant. But my point is, it was uh, it was very like, what the fuck? And instantly, I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. And this guy was like, he was he was almost like he wanted to shake my hand or pat my, you know, pat my back like, oh wow, man, you you have all these chicks that are just like wanting you and and wanting to fuck you and all this shit. And and it and, and let me tell you, it's nothing. It's very little of that, and it's a lot of women thinking you're just some dumb meathead motherfucker. And that's fine if you're a dumb meathead motherfucker. Maybe that's all you're looking for. But that wasn't me. And I was like, I don't want to be fucking known as that. I was trying to be an artist. I was trying to be a writer. I had some ambition in my life, and I definitely didn't, didn't like that. And from that moment on, I think I lasted maybe another couple weeks, and I got injured at work, uh, uh, kind of a bad accident where I got real cut up and shit. So I couldn't dance because I had all these fucking wounds all over my chest and my face. And, and anyway, it took like probably six weeks to heal up where I didn't have like scabs and scars and shit that definitely wouldn't get me any tips. And, and I think I went back maybe one time and it just wasn't there. And I just, I just stopped doing, it. I just stopped showing up. I mean, it's not like I filled out a, a fucking, you know, W4 or anything. So it, uh, you know, it was just, I did a couple of private shows and shit like that, but it just, it really got old really fucking quick. And the point of that story is that I, to this day, I mean, I've never even said my real name on this and I'm still nervous about saying my stage name and what the club was, what city it was in because I don't want anyone to know that I ever fucking did that. It is extremely embarrassing. For God's sakes, my mom came once and my sister and they're they're just trying to be supportive. I'm like, this is a goddamn strip club. I don't need you to be supportive. What the fuck? It was so fucking weird, but I was embarrassed by it. And the guys, when, uh, when they found out um at the lumber yard that I worked. They found out I did it. One, they saw that I started shaving all my body hair, my legs, my chest, all that shit. Cause you know, I worked in lumberyards, so I had my shirt off a lot. Um, they started to get curious. And then a couple of their wives, like, pointed it out. I guess that they they went to a strip club and they pointed it out. Or went to this strip club and saw me. And that made it extremely awkward with these guys because now they're seeing me in a different light because they're probably thinking, oh, well, my wife wants to fuck this guy or, or I don't even know what was going through their head, but they got very insecure and they were definitely there was some haterade going on. And guys were extremely jealous or they were extremely uh, like envious in the sense of like, tell me all about it and tell me more. Or they were like, oh, there's probably fags coming in there and it's a gay club and all this. stuff. I mean, it was like one side or the other. And it really didn't matter if it was the guy that was like wanting to be that, or a guy that was wanting to hear the stories, or the guy that was hating on it. It was embarrassing all the way across the board. And so once I stopped doing it, I was I was ashamed. It was very uh, easy for me to say that. And later, when I became a school teacher, I was like mortified that it would come out, even though this is way before the internet, way before like people like videoed shit on their phones and shit like this. This was like the late 90s. I mean, it just, you know, luckily it was in that that time. But I was like, man, I don't want anyone to ever fucking know this shit. (laughs) So I'm saying it on a podcast. But guess what? No one listens to this, so I'm not real worried about it getting out. So my point is, if as soon as you start to become embarrassed, then it is immoral for you to continue to do it because you see a problem with it. Your value system is to the point where you have you take umbrage with what you're doing, so you probably shouldn't do it. If you're not embarrassed by smoking cigarettes, then smoke like a fucking chimney. But as soon as you became it becomes a problem where you are sneaking around and trying to hide it from people, then that's when you should stop doing it. And and that's what I took away from this, uh this story is that these women were trying to justify, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not prostitution. It's not any different than this or that. And You know, um, you know, even Lisa Ling is like trying to see it from their perspective, and you know, it's a way to pay for college, and why should I suffer? And it's, it's no, you know, it's, it's just a business arrangement, and how's it? it, And, and it's, it's, it's so funny to me because later on in this series, this woman gets mad because she's at one of these mingling parties, and she hears some guy make a lewd comment about her, like like, I wonder how much she's, I wonder how much I have to pay for that. And she, she's like, I'm not a piece of cattle. I'm not a piece of meat. How dare you talk to me about that? I'm like, well, that's exactly what you are. Just like when I was in the strip club, I couldn't get mad. I had a, I had a woman once try to tip me and she grabbed my nutsack, not my dick. She, she like went all the way down and grabbed like the bottom of my sweaty ass nutsack. It was kind of gross. And you know, She was trying to check out my package. She was looking me like deep in the eyes like, yeah, I just did that shit. But that's what happens. It's not any different. Uh, le- let me be crystal clear about this. When you objectify yourself sexually, no matter if you're a man or a woman, the opposite sex will do the exact same thing to you. Just like the Magic Mike show... Or that movie, I mean, women were just whooping and hollering and fucking, you know, getting all hot and bothered and shit. But that's what happens. If you go to uh, uh, one of these like Thunder Down Under or any of those, just watch those videos and watch how nuts the women go. And they, women that, that are just normal women and ethical and moral, they are getting lap dances and they're letting guys dry hump them and they're fucking, you know, letting guys mess with their tits and you name it. They're doing all that shit just like guys would because what you're selling as a stripper or as a dancer in a male review is sex and you're selling you're you're objectifying yourself saying look at my muscles look at my whatever and you are sexualizing your physical being so is it wrong if somebody treats you like that i don't think so that's the whole point point. and so these girls that are wanting to be sugar babies and they're dressing in very tight clothing and high heels and got their makeup perfect and hair. and they're, Yeah, they're looking like up-class hookers, but hookers nonetheless. And they're walking through and get mad that a guy treats them like a piece of meat. This is part of the the, the problem with our society now is you're not allowed to what they call victim blame. That that woman is now a choosing to be a victim, not not finding herself in a victim position like a secretary in the 50s that their boss slapped her on the ass for bringing in the fucking, you know, the typed up memo. No, this is a chick that is looking for an older guy to take care of her financially, probably in the exchange for sex and still wants to be respected, not treated like a sex object. Only in 2017. I mean, if you can't blame that, If you can't point to that as you're putting yourself in a situation you might not be able to handle, then I don't know what you can point to. Because these chicks are going to end up getting sexually assaulted or raped or worse. And it is so taboo for me or anyone else to go, well, did you ever think about the fact that these strangers that you don't know you know, that they might take advantage of you. I'm not saying it gives them the right to do that. But you're putting yourself in a situation where you have to understand if someone sexualizes you and treats you like an object. I'm not saying that you are signing up for that, but you, come on, it's not rocket science. When I was in a strip club and a woman followed me home and thought that, she could have sex with me. I was mad at the situation. I wasn't mad at her because I understand where she came to that conclusion. I wasn't mad at her. I wasn't pressing charges on her. I wasn't trying to say that you are a sexual predator and you need to go to jail. No, 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 no. If I would have never took my pants off in a strip club and let her shove money down my ball sack she never would have followed me home. If I was just a waiter in a restaurant, she wouldn't have followed me home. If I was just a regular person, she wouldn't have followed me home. I mean, how often, ladies, do you just see a cute guy in a Walmart, I always say Walmart, or at a fucking Applebee's, and you just follow him home? That's what I'm saying. Is So if you're a stripper in a strip club, or you're a sugar baby, or you're a prostitute, You're putting yourself in danger because sooner or later, you will run into a guy that will objectify you. And when you're just doing your job as a secretary, as a CEO, as a lawyer, as a doctor, and somebody smacks you on the ass, well, you have every right to sit there and say, oh, bullshit, you don't fucking treat me like a goddamn sex object. This is a place of business. There is no need for that because you're not sexualizing yourself. But as soon as you start in an industry that it is very much much um, structured as a quid pro quo, like you give me money and I'll give you certain things, don't call me a prostitute. We'll call it, we'll make up something. Hmm, let me think. Sugar daddy, sugar baby, we'll call it sugaring. When you give me money, we'll just call it sugaring. What do you do? Are you a prostitute? Uh uh-uh, uh, sweetheart, um, I do some sugaring. Call it whatever the fuck you want. Whatever makes you sleep at night. But know this. Just like me in that strip club. And I only made 12 bucks. It becomes embarrassing. And you don't want to fucking. You don't want to see yourself as that. Then you need to stop doing it. But these girls say that it's so much money. That they can't turn it down. And these are the women's rights issues. These are the things that this is the things that are keeping women back because women shoot themselves in the foot. Why? Why? You tell me how many guys can do that? Yes, I understand there's guys that find sugar mamas, quote unquote. But that guy's not gonna be objectified in the same way. Like I said, I had women follow me home. I had women grab my nuts and I never have said I'm a sexual abuse victim. I had somebody that stalked me. I I don't use that stuff because I understand the dynamics between men and women. And when I do that to a woman, they feel extremely threatened because they perceive themselves as the weaker sex and see me as the aggressor. I didn't feel like I was in danger when a woman followed me home. That's just the truth. That that woman didn't have a power position on me. But if I'm, right now I'm 6'1", almost 200 pounds. And my wife is like, you know, 5'3", 125 pounds. It's very easy for me to intimidate her. It's very easy for her to feel like I'm the predator and she's the prey if I choose that. But it can't really be flip-flopped unless she had a gun. So it's not an apples to oranges comparison, except in the, in the fact that in the story that I was the stripper, I was choosing to objectify myself and and be looked at like that. You can't have it both ways. You can't, I can't be a stripper and then say, "Uh uh-uh, sweetheart, you don't treat me like that. No, sorry. You're kind of asking for it. If you don't want to be treated like that, then don't fucking do it. And then you have something to complain about because you're not putting it out there like that. And so to any woman that thinks this is an option, it's fucking bullshit. And this is why men, in my very humble opinion, why we continue to be on a different spectrum when it comes to uh, trying to achieve certain things. Because there are just certain things that that are not options for a man. In 2017, there's definitely more options, but you just don't see a rampant number of men that go, oh my God, I'm trying to get my degree and I can't afford and I don't want to work three jobs. Why do... Maybe I'll just find a sugar mama or maybe I'll just start sucking some dick. Every single woman has that option. If they're attractive, if they're young, if they're beautiful, they know that they can sell sex. No matter if it's prostitution, being a stripper, Uh, Dating a guy and and just manipulating him, Uh, finding a sugar daddy, being a gold digger, whatever, that's always the option. But if women took that off the table, if they just chose, hey, I'm not going to lower myself to this and I'm just going to struggle until I make it. I'm just going to do that because that's what a lot of men have to do because there is no option. There is no option to go suck a dick for money for the most part. And I know there's going to be onesie twosies where you're going to fucking somebody's going to, that's going to get pissed off when they hear this shit. But I'm saying from just laying it out there from just, just taking, you know, taking a ballpark figure that if you took a hundred very attractive females and a hundred very attractive men, those men would not have the same options that those women did with as far as making quick money using sex I remember that they did this news story years ago, it was probably 10 years ago, where they took a very attractive male model and a very attractive female model on a New York subway or maybe Chicago some train, mass transit system, and they had the male model ask a hundred women, random women, if, if they wanted him to fellate them to go down and lick their pussies. And out of the 100 women, two said yes. And the other 98 walked away, slapped the guy, kicked him in the nuts, or spit on him, 98. Now the very attractive woman found 100 dudes. A lot of them married. A lot of them older, younger, and said and offered fellatio. A little blowy, blowy. And it was like 87 of the men. It was like 90% almost, if I remember correctly, were open to the idea. I'm not saying said fuck yeah, but they were open to the idea. That's another part of... My point in some of these rants that men and women are just different. We're we're different, and, I'm, I, and I and it's one of my pet peeves that people think that men and women are supposed to be this equal thing. Yes, they're supposed to be equal in rights. A woman should be able to do all the things that a man can do, but there, we're different creatures. Our minds work different. Our emotions work different. Our physiological um, being is different. <coughs> And so if you're a woman, you can't afford to put yourself in that position where you do not have power and you're giving up so much power to a man and then later complain that that man took that power away and then complain when you're 40 years old and men don't find you attractive anymore and you get pissed at the younger girls or whatever. You can't do that. you got to take yourself out of the equation. I'm not saying you can't be pretty. I'm not saying you can't use your looks uh, to attract men, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can't just be one dimensional. You know, there's plenty of good looking guys that women are attracted to, but most good looking guys, they're not the most attractive. What women like are guys that are cute and attractive, but they're also successful and they have ambition and they have morals. And they have something else. There's there's so many other things that they want: uh, a good personality, funny, caring, compassionate. And if women just try to be the one-trick pony and just let me just be pretty and get guys to buy me stuff, then that's the problem. And I and I don't think this is most women. I think it's very much the minority that that do this. But what's the problem is is the minority gets a hundred percent of the of the media attention, the Kim Kardashians, the housewives of Beverly Hills, the stories like this, is this is the shit that you see, is you see these materialistic women, <coughs> excuse me, that, that pretend that they are doing something that is moral, um, and that they are doing something that is not lacking character and the men that are objectifying these young women well they can get away with it because they are in a power position and you have to understand that if you don't understand anything else is you can't be the one in the non-power position and think that there's going to be that somebody's going to have your back you got to defend yourself. You got to protect yourself. It might be victim blaming, but you got to understand that you are putting yourself in a position to be a victim. Don't do that. Put yourself in a position of power where you are not dependent on another man. And the and the guy on this uh, that started this website, this Asian gentleman that I was telling you about, that is not particularly good looking. Um, according to Lisa Ling, but he's successful and has a good education. He started this site because of his own dating issues. (coughs) Lisa Ling said, you don't think this is prostitution? And his rebuttal was, well, just because they get an allowance from a man, my mother decided to be a housewife and raise our kids. And she didn't have an income source except my father gave her a weekly allowance. Was my mother a prostitute? That, my friends, is called justification because that is about an apples and orange comparison if I ever heard one, because these women that are doing the sugar mama or excuse me, sugar baby and sugar daddy thing, the sugarin, what they are doing is they are not emotionally invested. They are not finding a soulmate. They're not finding a partner. They're not even wanting... They're not even requiring these men to cert, to make a commitment. At least a fucking gold digger has the business acumen to at least make that motherfucker sign a goddamn contract and say, we're going to at least pretend to be fucking married and pretend to be husband and wife. And then when you try to leave me for my some fucking 22-year-old secretary 20 years from now, I could take you for half your shit. At least... They understand that. These sugar babies are so fucking stupid that that they just allow some dude to pay their fucking bills until they get sick of them. If that's not prostitution, I don't know what is. And to sit there and make the comparison that... Well, are you calling my mother a prostitute because she took an allowance? No. Guess what? In my house, I pay a lot of the bills, but it's not because my wife's a woman. It's because she's a school teacher and I make more money than her. If my wife gets a, a job that pays twice as much as me, you better goddamn believe that she's going to be paying most of the fucking bills. And it has nothing to do with sex. It has everything to do with economics. I also mow the lawn and she does the dishes. It just happens to be the stereotypical uh, job for women is dishes, and the stereotypical job for the guy is mowing the lawn. Well, It just works out that way. She doesn't like mowing the lawn. I don't mind it. I don't like doing dishes. She doesn't mind it. So that is an arrangement between us. If we have an arrangement that she gets an allowance or I pay the light bill or she buys the groceries, whatever that arrangement is, that's between two people who love each other and are in a committed relationship and they are trying to make the relationship and the team work long-term. And so they come up with terms. They come up with this does not make me feel like less of a person to do this and if it did then we would find some other arrangement and that's what your relationship is based on but when it is just based on i'm going to look pretty and you can i can walk around as your arm candy and you're going to pay my bills there's nothing wrong with that absolutely not but call it what it is stop acting like that you are better than some woman that is blowing a guy in the back alley because you're not. It's the exact same fucking thing. And if you don't think it is, then put it on a goddamn resume and brag about it. Put it on your status update and fucking just own it. And then maybe I'll respect it a little bit more when you go, yeah, this is how I make my fucking money. And I think I'm smarter than you. This is, you know, I have figured out a way to have have it all. Okay, fucking own it. Be it. Whatever. If that's you. And there's people that strip that do that and that dance that do that. But guess that what? That wasn't me. I was embarrassed by it. I was embarrassed that that's how I try to make just a a little bit of money on the side. So I stopped doing it. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to take the moral high ground. It's not immoral to do it, but it was wrong for me to do because I wasn't feeling it. And at the end of this documentary, the little uh, blonde chick that was talking about having her Louis Vuittons and having her, you know, expensive shit. And she broke down and started crying because she wasn't sure if this was what was right for her. (coughs) No shit. Because... You know as soon as your parents find out, they're going to be embarrassed. If your brother found out, it's going to be embarrassed. If you find the love of your life and they find out, they're not going to be comfortable with it. So how can you ever be comfortable with it long term? Call it what it is. You do not want to work hard. You want an easy way out and you don't want to struggle. It's This isn't a cryptic message because she said it right in the first 15 minutes of the episode of the documentary that why should I struggle and work three jobs why can't I look good and have fun and get money while I'm, while I'm pursuing my dreams? Why should I have to struggle? And that shows the common sense of an average 22-year-old. That's what it is. That unfortunately, she didn't have anyone in her life to let her know why struggle is important. But it is. Because then it wakes you up to the good shit when you're not struggling. And it makes you appreciate it when your life gets a little bit easier. But kids nowadays, I don't know that they understand that you're supposed to struggle in your 20s. It's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to be taking on massive debt. When I was 22, I filed for bankruptcy. At 22. Or wait, it was 23. 24. Something like that. It was in my early 20s I filed for bankruptcy. And it wasn't because I was going to school and taking on student loans. It's because I was a fucking idiot and I bought a fucking sports car and couldn't afford my fucking bills and still wanted nice clothes and I didn't make very much money and I was working 70 hours a week but I still wanted it all and I learned that lesson and that struggle is why I have a great credit score now is why I'm able to buy a house and buy a car and all those things and have low interest rate because that I had to learn the hard way. And I learn through experience. Like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but my intelligence and what I know now is not from reading it in a book, it's because I did it and I found out the hard way. And that's true knowledge and true wisdom. If it's second or third hand, you don't know it. And so how I wanna end this story or this topic is to all those women out there, that might be thinking that this is a good lifestyle to have. Well, hopefully you learn what I did when I was doing my dancing thing. Is It's not in vain if you learn from it and realize that's not the way to do it. And maybe it can be a teachable moment later on when you have kids or you have a little brother or sister or a podcast and you just say, now this is why... It's not good. And if you do do it and you think that there's nothing wrong with it and I'm just a hater, then fucking own it. Stop trying to act like you are better than the other people that are doing something similar. It doesn't matter if you wear Louis Vuitton while you're blowing some old guy for him paying your fucking car note. It's still prostitution. Whatever you want to say about prostitution, no matter if it's good or bad, it is What it is, you are still doing, you are trading sex, you are trading your looks, your persona, a very shallow piece of you for money. And if that is worth it to you, and you're not breaking any laws, then do it. You're right. If you were in a relationship with a boyfriend, he would want sex too. But remember, the difference is, if you loved him, you would probably want it too. You would want that connection with him. And when you have a 6 like this one chick had a 69 year old sugar daddy, do you really want to have sex with him? Okay, if the answer is yes, then go do you. But like I said, let everybody know that's what you're doing. See how it makes you feel. So Anyway, so that's what I watched on YouTube. That's what I, That was my takeaway from that. Um, feel free to let me know what you think. Um, you can go to my website at www.afootpodcast.com or afootpodcast at Twitter. Um, I also have a Gmail, afootpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email me and spam me all kinds of bullshit. And please subscribe. And if you feel compelled to, leave a comment, or and just let me know. I don't care if you do it on iTunes. I don't care what you do. just. Just let me know what you think of it and what uh, what I need to fix or what I need to change. I'll probably ignore it because, like I said, I'm not a professional. I'm not trying to make money at this. So, but if it's constructive and I and I think that you're right, kind of like me uh, snorting and drinking. And uh, gulping into the microphone, I'll, I'll try to fix that shit. So, thank you for listening and uh, supporting this. We will see you guys later. Peace out, homeboys and girls. Oh, God, I still don't know how to end a podcast. Can somebody do me a favor? Send me a suggestion on how to end a podcast professionally. Okay, and I don't want to say some fucking like tagline when I'm, when I'm leaving, but I don't know how to fucking say goodbye. And it's like that in, in life too. It's like when you start talking, okay, I'll see you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. See you. Okay. Bye. And it starts to real awkward and shit. So maybe I should just like shut, just shut off the mic and just like, I don't know, sweat profusely. Okay. Thanks guys. Later.